0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and mice, hamsters of all ages, uh, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, say good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, sirs, ma'ams, everybody that's out there that's watching, welcome to another Saturday morning. Nice and sunny on my side. I hear it's raining. It is raining where I am,
0: and there (laughs) is uh, also a... Uh, uh, I'm getting my house tuned up Mm -hmm. and there's a man currently running through my attic, uh, installing things. So with that, uh, I will try to mute myself if there's like various banging of noises and things like that. He might almost be done, but, uh, be, be forewarned people. There might some stuff. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. Theros is out. Uh, mythic odysseys of theros i should preface it um because but it is the campaign setting for uh magic the gathering D. they're they're doing this 100 percent um where we got ravnica which made sense because ravnica is the most popular uh magic the gathering setting i believe mm-hmm. and i don't know if theros is also uh as popular or whatever but but i know it's I guess my point is that it's a good D&D setting, Uh, Mm. more so I feel than Ravnica. Ravnica was a good book, but you Mm -hmm. really had to understand the subtle intricacies of Ravnica. And uh, with Theros, the the interesting thing is like, well, you have this world and you have, I guess everybody kind of knows Greek mythology-ish, Greco-Roman-ish mythology. And so you have these unique gods, but they're all like, this is the god of death. This is the god of the sun. This is the god of the oceans. And so th- it's easy to understand what these gods represent and the powers that they have. Uh so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of I I don't really I really liked it. I I bought the uh um D&D Beyond because it's not out and I don't know if I'm going to buy it in physical book form because I feel like i use d and d beyond for most of my dungeons and dragons prepping and Mm -hmm. uh i actually run with a little chromebook at the table now so i i use that to look up stuff quickly um but have you had a chance to read it mr lucian or look at it or anything
1: i went through different parts of it and that was the thing i noticed right away was i didn't get the feeling i got with ravnica because i went and bought the book i sat down I maybe had my lunch next to me and I started flipping through the pages just like I would a new D&D book or some D&D book I you know, would get out of Barnes & Noble's or a mall or something back in the day as a teenager. So when mm-hmm. I got Ravdica, I still had that feeling. But when you go through a book and it's kind of on D&D Beyond, it's kind of disjointed and I didn't get that, that same nostalgia. There's lots of cool stuff in it. I like lots of the artwork. But the way the presentation is, I didn't get that same feeling. So I think I want the book so I can just sit down and go through it. But I do miss that. I am one of those weird people, I think, that want that textile feel of just kind of flipping pages and looking at stuff as I go. Um, because d and Beyond is great, I think, when you need it as a reference. Yeah. When you want it as just something to enjoy, like people enjoy books, not just I'm looking something up then you want that hardcover copy because that's when you can enjoy that book. So I think mm-hmm. I hadn't realized that before. I don't think it sunk into me as much in some of the other ones I've gotten where this time it really felt that way in this last one, whereas I was like, oh, it's it's there. It's got everything I need. It's in a great format. It's easy to look up. It's easy to use. I'll be able to put it in campaigns and games really easily, which is nice. But boy, I miss that flipping through the pages mm-hmm. feel of a brand new book that yeah. you're going through, you know? So, no, I, don't know. And, uh, I think I'm going to buy it. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to um, buy
0: it. It's it's interesting on that subject we were uh talking about um uh with with both this book and then I didn't really think about it, but Acquisitions Incorporated was the same way. Um D&D Beyond has not integrated those books into their uh their system so if you're i mean the information is there but with ACK inc you have uh positions in your in your company and mm-hmm. those positions give you other like extra things and so people were like people were asking DD beyond hey are you going to create like a you know if i'm there it is if i'm mm-hmm. running <laughs> if i'm running a uh uh acquisitions incorporated game i should be able to select that i have this job and it should apply the rest of those features that i you know that you get at certain levels and theros was the same way you have these supernatural gifts you have other things like that but there's no way in the piety system there's no way to really apply those like i'm following this god and that grants me these abilities when my piety is a certain level and uh, I, I was fishing through the forums on d d Beyond and, and they finally responded, the developers, and they're like, well, it's just a little too, uh, it's too much for us to do right now. Um, mm-hmm. We're focusing on other things and blah, blah, blah. But I have a programmer friend who's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, but if, if they have the book ahead of time, they can totally prep for that. And they do get all of this info ahead of time. So Way ahead of time, yeah. We think they might be uh, prepping for all of the subclass changes and stuff that will hopefully come out in November when they're going to announce a book at the end of this month. Um, And that probably is like we we need to make sure that works because people will buy a lot of subclasses and stuff rather than a random acquisitions incorporated uh workflow of stuff but
1: yeah and when i signed in this morning i noticed a little thing at the top talking about hey use the new dice roller and if you want you can purchase different skins for dice yeah (laughs) so they're probably spending on time on things that are going to be a money generator also i would bet yeah that's Um, true they're gonna they're gonna you know do some of that because they need microtransactions if they're gonna keep going though i wonder i wonder what how much they make with all of the subscription money I don't know See, and I don't think they need microtransactions. Nah. That's a, that's yeah, a business way of it. doing it,
0: but you already have the subscriptions. So they're making money when they sell the books, and mm-hmm. then they're also making money on the fact that I'm paying a monthly subscription to use their service. So I don't know. But.
1: Yeah.
0: New features, new things Lots like that. <laughs> People are excited about the dice. I, I can't see myself paying $15 for uh, digital dice, but uh, that is me. I also like rolling my dice at the table. Um, but I have mm-hmm. a friend who's going to run a DD and d online game, and he's very excited uh, because he has a couple friends in other um, states that uh, they're going to play online, and he's like, this, this dice rolling thing solves a lot of problems for me because they can just like – they don't have to add their proficiencies once they build their character in D Beyond. they can just click it and it'll roll it for them and i was like yeah that's yeah. exactly how it works so it's kind yeah, of yeah and if
1: you're not putting it on twitch to show other people and it's just for you and your yeah. friends to get together you can really simplify the tools down to what you're going to use you don't have to kind of go all out like you kind of see me and jordan do at different times where we're Not only creating an entertaining show for people to watch, but we're also making it easy for our players to be able to play that are all over the world. So you're you're bringing in lots of tools for that. But I I could see people just, you know, a quick phone call, a D and D Beyond character sheets, and Mm -hmm. there you go. You know, you and your friends are having a fun Thursday night, Friday night game. You know, every week or something. So
0: So, uh, with with Theros coming out, uh, Mythic Odysseys of Theros. uh, We talked about it last week, but we have the Seder and the Leonin. Those are the mm-hmm. the two new races. There's there's using existing races like the Minotaur and, and the human and things like that. But uh it's kind of interesting because they had they had a lot of uh, a lot of people were it's the word belly aching, right? I don't I don't know if people mm-hmm. were really complaining. But the Min Maxers are just like, man, if you take this Simic hybrid from Ravnica and you take this Piety system, like you could build these crazy things, but and of course your DM can say yes, tieflings are allowed in Theros, but for the most part, Theros only had like five races and they're like if you yep. want to play like a Theros game, you choose these five races. There's not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh halflings, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. So, uh it kind of was interesting that they have these supernatural gifts that you can get, kind of supercharging your characters and they're they're basically like extra feats which I thought was really mm-hmm. cool. So at level one, you get like the actor feet or the durable feet or the lucky feet. And that doesn't break the game necessarily um, because uh, a lot of those races that you can synergize with aren't there. Um, mm-hmm. I really like this. And I was talking about it with some of my friends that I want to run a like powered game where – I want to say, like, now you guys are all born under some lucky star. And because of that, you can have well, all of the races that are in my campaign. You can play any of them. There's no variant humans anymore. But everybody gets a feat at first level. And then I think I want to say everybody gets a feat at 10th level. But it's it's something in the game that allowed them to get that feat, like a blessing from a god or something. Um, but I don't know. What do you? What is that too overpowered, do you think, to give people feats at first level. Like I think it would really jazz up the game a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think it's I think it's the type of game you want to play. Do you want to play a we're not heroes, we're just farmers dealing with a bad situation game. So a la OSR stuff. Yeah. Do you want to play we're heroes? We are the, the chosen destiny are meant to stop big world cataclysmic things. Well, we are going to be special and different from normal, mm-hmm. the normal Joe Schmo. So maybe we do have some things that are setting us apart and we're planning a much higher ability, bigger magic item game, bigger spells games, lots of high magic stuff. Yeah. So I think it really just depends the type of campaign you want to run, where, where you want to go. To me, Theros is about that big classical mythology. Yeah. And the people that were on those tales were superhuman they were demi-human they were mm-hmm. near godlike, and they were attempting these like you are trials, hercules you know you, yeah. know? you are yeah. half so you god have to stand or something out. like you have mm-hmm. to stand out yeah. yeah we need somebody who's got like an 18 or a 20 strength at that point and then has athleticism or something to mm-hmm. really make us say that's hercules and i recognize it right away kind of person so i think if you're playing that style of game that fits in is it mean it's going to be perfect for all the games you're running? Maybe not. It just depends yeah. on the type of campaign that you want to run and, um, you know, like, where and, you want And to you're go.
0: right. The the Forgotten Realms has a bunch of, uh, we're, we're adventurers. And you walk into a tavern and the barkeep's like, oh, adventurers, huh? Like, you're not, you're not, that's the norm, I guess, yeah. is that there are just adventurers in the world. But I feel like in Theros, it is just like, oh, you're, you're not a farmer. Like, you're literally just walking around. Like, what makes you? <laughs> oh, the gods must have blessed you. And I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You're um, yeah, you're God touched or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: There was a ninja errata update to the Triton. Did you see that?
1: Well, I was wondering when you said that, and I was waiting, I was, I was going to let you explain it because I had a different thought on it when I read it, but I wanted to hear this. So, So, uh,
0: (laughs) the Theros came out and the Mm -hmm. Triton is one of the playable races in Theros Mm -hmm. and they gave the Triton dark vision. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: uh, there were some people online that were just like, Oh, I guess like the Tritons are better in, in Theros. But then when you look up on D and D beyond the Volos guide Triton, it now also has dark vision but it didn't ah, okay. originally. So, uh they they added that and then again people on Twitter are asking and and D&D Beyond came back and replied on Twitter that said, "Yes, it's an errata update. Uh there hasn't been like errata published for it yet, but that was from Wizards of the Coast to change the yeah. Triton as a whole." So, See, that's, a lot that of was people the part I didn't do. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about or were upset, uh, myself included, I guess, because uh, the Tritons live in the bottom of the ocean where there is no sunlight, but they don't have dark vision. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, what? But I was wondering if it was always like a balance thing, like you can only give a race certain things. And because this race got spells and and other stuff, they were like, well, we're going to take dark vision away to balance it. But, but now, yeah, now they have dark vision and dark vision. Isn't huge. I guess it's, it's really, if you're playing a nitty gritty game, like, uh, you can't hold a shield and a torch, you know, then it's nice to have dark vision cause I can hold my shield. But for the most part, I, I have humans in my games and I'm just like, well, it's dark and they're like, okay, I cast light or I do this. And I'm like, I just, you can see for the most part, unless mm-hmm. it's a, unless it's something I really want to use um, as a mechanic in a battle or in a game. But for the most part, I'm like, yeah. So dark vision's kind of weird because it's a, it's, it's a good thing for and a lot of races have it. It's almost silly to play a race that doesn't have dark vision when you think about Dungeons and Dragons. Humans. Humans. <laughs> um so yeah, they they updated the Triton with Dark Vision. Um no. we got two uh sub subclasses uh, for Bard and one for Paladin. Uh what did you think of these?
1: Did you have thoughts on on the uh Yeah, I wasn't um I was more excited probably for some of the races. I had some more character concept ideas that popped into my head when I Mm -hmm. saw them. I didn't have a lot of character ideas pop up and say, oh, now I can do this besides a very classical hero. Like if I wanted to make Hercules, it made sense that, oh, maybe I could go with this paladin that's heroic. And if you read the heroic paths and things that Mm -hmm. makes sense for something like a hero like that. Uh, But they weren't two classes that I felt like were missing. And I was like, oh, finally, we have these subclasses because they're in two classes I don't play a lot. I don't play a ton of bards and I don't play a ton of paladins. So I haven't really, I didn't. nothing jumped out at me for that. I don't know, maybe, maybe something did for you, but nothing really jumped out at me for these two subclasses.
0: That I, I love bards. A lot. You love bards. Uh, And I don't play a lot of paladins. Um, Paladins Mm -hmm. just have never really interested me. And I don't know why. Because I like clerics a lot. I like the idea of following a god. But paladins, I just... I don't know. Um, I I do have an uh, oath of... What's the broken oath in the Dungeon Master's Guide? The... uh, uh, Anyway, I'll have to look it up. But I wanted to play a paladin of uh, Asmodeus. And I thought that would be really fun. Um, But I haven't yet. Uh, But... The College of Eloquence, the Bard. Um, this I didn't, I didn't like because uh, there's there's one thing I didn't like, and it's level three, Silver Tongue, um, and it says you are a master at saying the right thing at the right time. When you make a Charisma Persuasion or a Charisma Deception check, you can treat a d20 roll of nine or lower as a ten. Now there are certain Rogue subclasses that also get this, but for like Insight and various other things, and. That's at like level seven. So getting really good persuasion and really good deception at such an early level um, fits in the world of Theros, I feel. But people are going to take this subclass and use it in other things because that's what they do. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. Spore Druid wasn't just left for Ravnica. Like lots of people were taking it and putting it in their games. And you have to think that bards also get expertise so let's say I, I'm a bard already, so I have a high charisma because that's my main stat. And then I have, I take, uh, I I am proficient in charisma, and then I am also, perf, or I am proficient in persuasion, and then I am also an expertise in persuasion. At level three, you're rolling a minimum of a 17 to persuade people. And that seems really too powerful for me. And I don't like mm-hmm. that. Um I I wish that was like a level seven ability or you had to choose persuasion or deception, not both. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to be trained in it. Maybe I'm not sure. Like it just kind of, it feels like it should have been you uh, either become proficient in charisma or, or sorry, in persuasion or deception. And you can't roll below a nine. Um, at like level seven, I guess. I don't know, mm-hmm. one or the other. So it, it just seems like a lot. You get a lot at level three as a bard uh, or as a bard, a college of eloquence. Um, yeah. The rest of it was very kind of like, I mean, if you are that that showboaty, talky player, this is a really awesome class and you get all the fun bard spells. Um, and so I was like, ah, but it I, there are other bards I want to play much more than this one. So,
1: yeah,
0: um, and then the Oath of Glory, uh, I like the spells they get. Guiding Bolt, Enhance Ability, Haste uh freedom of movement like they get some really cool spells that are not paladin spells so that's like the
1: tenants like the things that you're Mm -hmm. you're basing your character around are the tenants of the paladin i like how those read that that does give me like a okay i can see how this character could play i could see if they stick to these tenants this makes sense for Mm -hmm. a paladin type character so that's kind of cool i do like that um but they're they're uh, aura ability at
0: uh, level seven is if somebody's within like five feet of you, they can run an extra ten feet. Um, and although if you're if you're playing a grid game, that could be really cool to like try and like oh, I got to get over here. But I think your DM has to be very specifically like, all right, I know that he can move this far. I'm gonna have to put the monsters here so that mm-hmm. the the creatures can uh, yeah. Like you have to have a very Cognizant DM about that, and when I DM, I'm just like, I don't know, the monsters are there. Oh, I put them like 35 feet away. Sorry, I guess you can't reach. It. You know, like I don't know. And so it just it felt weird, but mm-hmm. um, but by the end of the uh like, if you get to level 20, I like that it's called Living Legend, and you are just <laughs> like this amazing yeah. godlike fighter, Paladin thing. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, that's cool. so. Again, I don't think I would play either of these, but uh, I probably would allow them in my world. Maybe not a Forgotten Realms game. Maybe I would. I don't know but yeah uh, they, but they you're are, right i was more excited about the races i think for some reason yeah, and i don't for, know why book, like sater sater sure. is just we don't need another charisma race that we have so many but i mm-hmm. immediately started playing with it and i'm like no a sater fay warlock like that's a fun combo like i would love to yeah. play that you know in the yeah. in the fay wild and stuff That'd and i think cool. it's
1: cool because if you go and you look at the theros magic card set that got put out cuz yeah. these releases i mean ravnica was coming out when the ravnica card set was out mm-hmm theros was coming out when the theros card set was coming out and what i was trying to remember as we were talking about the triton was i was trying to remember they don't call them tritons in magic The Gathering; they call them merfolk right yeah it is the triton it is the triton um and it was cool to see those and and like the the leonids the the cat people are a very Mm -hmm. prominent type of card you can get in the game so those are this very type of prominent creature living in this world and that's what i like about this crossover is that you can go you could buy a big stack of these theros cards lay them out and look at the artwork and you can see the tritons doing things you can see the the leonids doing things you can see satyrs and centaurs mm-hmm. and minotaurs and creatures that they could fight and they, all this stuff to give you all this inspiration all this cool artwork to kind of dive into it and i feel like those were the highlight the the new races the new atmosphere the new artwork the new idea the world more than it was some mechanical subclasses but they were subclasses that we got from ua articles so it is nice to see that these were two things that we had seen in ua articles previously way back in the day and then they did finally show up um into yeah yeah the yeah they, yeah, they so weren't we're abandoned still, you know like yeah they, yeah. they, they so kept researching
0: moving. them so um, i'm pretty happy with it no yeah and some of these uh some of these. Um, supernatural gifts i really like too like they say like hey you can get you can take an extra feet if you wanted to but a lot of them like uh anvil rot is uh your you're kind of like you were forged as a creature so like you could be i'm a human but i'm this anvil rot human that i was forged by the god specifically for a task and you have mm-hmm. a lot of uh similarities to a war forged. You know, you yeah. saving throws against poisoned, you have advantage on those. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. And so, uh, like, I don't know. I really like this, that you could apply certain traits on top of the race you already are. Um, yeah. Heroic Destiny was kind of cool. Uh, there's, like, an atheist path called the Iconoclast, where it's, like, you you acknowledge the gods exist, but, like, they're not worthy of your worship. And so you mm-hmm. have kind of, like, these anti-god things, and um, yeah. it was really cool. In- I like also this is a... you have a psychic shield or resistance to psychic yeah. damage and stuff. So there, anyway, there was really cool things. These supernatural gifts was an interesting part and I, and sorry to interrupt you. I'll, I'll say oh, this okay. and then I'll let you finish. <laughs> but uh, again, these are things taken from the DMG that we've just expanded upon here, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And they did this with Ravnica with the renowned system system. And so it's like, Oh, okay. We're going to like, we're going to make a campaign setting that uses this and that really makes Ravnica feel different or Ravnica game feel different. And this makes a Theros game feel different from like a Forgotten Realms game, so.
1: Yeah, and what I like about this campaign setting also bringing to the forefront is this idea of gods walking amongst the world and interacting, but also flawed gods. Yeah. Gods that are petty, gods that have their own agendas, gods that are playing games and and doing vindictive stuff or, or doing really good stuff to help somebody out. Like you can play that whole thing. Whereas in, when you're playing Forgotten Realms, the gods are there, but mm-hmm. they're not necessarily interacting in your campaign per se, unless it's at the the very end or something of some big thing. Well, I would say, thing, you know? yeah.
0: Yeah. I would say Eberron is, is a good example because the gods in Eberron... Some of them aren't even gods. Like people worship the silver flame and they don't really know what it is. It's just kind of this Mm -hmm. like force. Um, But it's like uh, they worship it and you don't just go talk to a god. There's no like deity. And in Forgotten Realms, we have the Time of Troubles where people, the gods came down and interacted with people. And so you can just talk Mm -hmm. to gods. Uh, You're not doing that at like level two or whatever. But um, But here you can see that. But here, yes, you are. Like you're very much doing that. Uh, And also these gods like the gifts of the gods and stuff they were ambiguous enough that i really want to take the thero stuff and match it up with forgotten realms gods and add (laughs) that piety system into my game Um, specifically because i i have always kind of wanted to be like if i'm a rogue and i'm following the god uh the rogue god mask i want to be able to get cool thiefy things from that deity without Mm -hmm. necessarily dipping into Trickster cleric Um, and and I thought that was really cool that like it it makes the gods more real that and there's a reason that you worship and follow them and Mm -hmm. even evil gods, you know, like there's like why why worship Merkel God of the dead? Well, if I'm a necromancer wizard, I'm going to worship him and he's gonna favor me and I'm gonna have more control over undead or something like that. And I, I liked that. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's something I want to incorporate in my game because uh, the
1: gods having that much power, it's really interesting, yeah. so. Now, the one thing I, that kind of set me back is I didn't see in this setting, it felt like a setting perfect for the heroic story. The problem is we play well, Dungeons God and of Dragons League. and that's a group party right Uh so what i didn't see was this idea of a group heroic story or a group even when we talked about wild mount was kind of i felt this way a little bit but i didn't i wasn't ready to articulate it yet but in this one it kind of also set in that we're creating these things that are great when you think about them from a single character perspective but we're not seeing a lot of this pushing forward of this great the party core which is mm-hmm. what this game is about. It's not usually you have people following one party member and they're kind of the lead in it, but that would make sense in the type of stories that you're telling mm-hmm. say in a Theros world. Um, I almost feel like we need more of that more party synergy, party dynamics, party story elements. That's about being a party and not so much about being the heroic journey for a single character, the way yeah. it feels. I don't know. I, it just seems odd that's, that's also
0: a very critical role thing
1: um, yeah. and
0: Wildmount came out with let's roll your entire background so your dm can kind of like everyone has their little arcs and stuff um mm-hmm. but you're right i i mean the other way is a completely legitimate way of playing uh i think about the original final fantasies and it's just like you guys are the warriors of light all four of yeah. you this is yeah. your you're on a thing together you gotta yeah, go do geek. this the acting book's yeah. perfect for that. Um, um you're you guys are a group, you're together, yeah. you're in this, you fail and succeed together, and
1: uh and it's Ravnica all, was that way. It's all things yeah. so because um, you were joining a guild, right? Mm-hmm. Ravnica is about the the guilds in the city. Yeah. And so it was a lot of guild mechanics, a lot of why you're coming together to do things. We've we've not gotten that in the last few books, I noticed. It just felt weird that it was so out of place. Yeah. Um and
0: I don't know, maybe that's a mechanic to explore of, like, uh, you guys can do this because of synergy between all of you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I guess Acquisitions Incorporated kind of did that. But I'm thinking, like, you know, collectively, you guys can cast Detect Magic. I don't like that necessarily, but, like, I'm just... Spitballing here, or something Um, new right yeah but what if somebody what if you lost a character or they had to go somewhere else and then you lose that ability because it's like well Mm -hmm. we could only do it together uh
1: or or just like a power-up that you only get if you have those two or three classes in the group there's a new power-up synergy that happens and if you do have them in your group maybe you get a once per day ability Mm -hmm. that the group can do you know and, and so you almost start to get those group tactics or you get, it's the classic scene at the end of um, Endgame when you have Iron, you have Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor are fighting Thanos while everybody else is knocked down and you're waiting. Spoilers. You're waiting for the rest <laughs> of the people to come, but it's just those three and it's just Thanos. And they're like, but they're working together and doing things that they never would be able to do on their own. And now they can do them, you know, uh, I won't spoil it anymore. I can't imagine nobody's seen it, but I won't spoil it anymore. But that idea that, oh, that's right. You have a paladin and I have this, um, um, I have a ranger. And when we have those two things together, there's this certain cool thing that we can do. Mm -hmm. One, you know, not, a lot, not to overtake the rest of whatever thing's going on, but maybe just an every now and thing, once a week thing, once a month thing, once a day thing, yeah. that would be fun to introduce and say, this is the thing we could do. You hold your shield up and I'm able to bounce an arrow and it splits and it hits four guys instead mm-hmm. of being a normal one, one attack arrow. And I can do it one time in a battle or something, just something cool to add some synergies. And maybe there's a bunch of them that you can stumble upon Depending on what types of groups you're making when you're building characters,
0: yeah, and I guess like there's Pretty a cool. way. I mean, you could just play like that. Sure. Um, and I'm thinking of things like my favorite spell, counter spell, um, where it's like, oh, so and so's ca- evil wizard's casting a spell at my paladin, but the other wizard counters it and then redirects that energy to other. Th- I don't know. Like, there's ways to do it, but yeah. Yeah. Another thing that uh, I liked about Theros is this piety system is linked with the artifacts that they included um magical items and so you can pick up this you know uh hammer um Mm -hmm. and it's a plus three hammer it does a lot of extra damage but if you worship that god and you're more in tune with that god uh that this hammer represents then uh you get extra extra benefits Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's like a magical weapon that levels with you and Wildmount did the same thing where they had a uh, Explorer's guide to Wildmount had like, you got this weapon. And then whenever the DM feels like you need to like, no, you did enough to kind of like upgrade it. Uh, it upgrades. And the Piety system is the same way. There's no like XP, like with, with monsters, with the Piety system. It is about the dungeon master being like, you know what? Like not only you, not only did, Did you uh, do something for this God, but I'm going to give you like plus five piety points because it's way cooler than I thought that what you were going to do. And so I don't know. It's it's ah, I just really liked this system and and giving Mm -hmm. more uh, story arcs for uh, or rewarding story things. You know, it's right. not like, well, I'm going to go kill this thing and then my piety will inc- increase. It's like, no, I'm going to take the time to s- to set up a church here, or I'm going to take the time to set up a temple, and mm-hmm. then you, your god's like, good job. Like, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. give you a little extra boon. Like, I thought that was nice. really cool. So, yeah, that's good. Um, I don't know. So, I, I guess like a, a thumbs up for me overall. Like, I I liked this. Um, yeah, enjoyable. Um, I I'm... I think there's things I want to use in my mm-hmm. game. Uh, mm. Not necessarily the Bard and Paladin subs. Uh, mm. And I was going to ask you, do you think that those subs will make it into this, like, book of new sub jobs and variant ways to play that we're kind of anticipating? Yeah, I don't um, know. Do you think they'll be reprinted, I wonder? Yeah.
1: It's possible. Be so that they could get them, so that people could bring them into campaigns if they're not mm. letting things from other books come in. But I don't know. I, I and feel it's because like...
0: of Adventure League, right? Because it's always yeah. book plus one. And right. so if I choose this and not, yeah, you get limited on what spells you can use and things like that. Oh, that's the other yeah. thing I thought was interesting. No new spells. Nope. I thought there would be at least something like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Like I think they're saving God. it for that book. <laughs> they're saving it for that book for Probably. sure. They've got a yeah. big rule. Some They've got to have some type of Xanathar's Guide to Everything coming out. You know, something, something that's going to be good for us. Um, I liked it. I felt like for me, Wildmount was not um, the book I was excited about. It's great, has a lot of cool artwork in it. We've talked about how it's a great book. It's just maybe not one we're playing. You're getting into it more because you're actually playing into a campaign. So now yeah. maybe it's it's growing on you. Maybe you yeah. are starting to like it a lot more than when we initially were talking about it. Yeah. But I feel like the Steros one got back to the type of book I like too, and and I think it's because it ties into something I like which is Magic the Gathering because I know I can go to those cards and I can look at the artwork and mm-hmm. I can gain so much inspiration outside of the, the book that I can then bring into a game that I want to play in Theros.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I was talking to uh, Lex Mandrake, my uh, Dank Dungeons, one of my players on my um, mm-hmm. my Wednesday game, Rod of Seven Parts. And before the stream started, we were just like, no, it's it's cool. Uh, but Wildmount, like Ravnica, is uh, very complex, um, mm-hmm. lots of moving parts, and uh, Wild Mount. Now that I'm getting into it, I appreciate it. But but you're right, it's it's for a, a, a I don't know for the average D and D player who's like I kind of listen to Critical Role. Like you're a little confused because you mm-hmm. don't get the inside jokes and you don't get a lot of this other stuff. Um, Greek mythology is just very accessible, and this yeah. is a very accessible book because it reminds you so much of Greek mythology. Uh, and I don't know like the cities of Theros. I don't know any of that, but I feel like I can make it up and have a cool mm-hmm. game. I don't need to know where it is. Whereas Wildmount, I really need to know that like this city is roughly eighty miles south of this city, and the two are fighting because of this conflict. And there's a lot more as a dungeon no. master for me to do. Uh, but yeah. with this Theros book, I feel like I'm like no, let's have a let's have a two month campaign, maybe like eight or nine sessions. You guys will go from like I don't know level five to level ten, and your your mm-hmm. job is to like defeat a kraken. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but like that sounds fun. Let's go. And yeah. and you do. And like I don't know, we're gonna use boat stuff, and we're gonna go here. And so yeah. it it's good. Like uh, it's accessible, and Wild Mount is very good for Critical Role fans. And mm-hmm. everyone at the table that I play with is a Critical Role fan, and they... So they love it. They giggle, they love mm-hmm. it. Like, the DM's putting inside jokes, and they're just like, I know who this is, but my character doesn't. And they get so excited. Uh, mm-hmm. And I get that, uh, but it's, n- it's not something... I'm like, I just... I don't follow the whole world of Critical Role. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Which is... I, sh- I shouldn't apologize. Like, it's completely fine no, not to. Okay. Uh, but I am learning. I'm having a good time with the game overall. Uh, yeah. It's just... It's really interesting that... Uh, it, that has defined um, a generation of D and D players more than I ever thought it would. Like originally, the Forgotten Realms book and Dragonlance and things like that. Uh, you said yourself with uh, Greyhawk defined mm-hmm. a bunch of people uh, with like this is what D and D is. And now Critical Role and Wild Mount and Tal'Dorei and stuff that has defined the way people are experiencing D and D, and it's it's interesting, you know. Yeah. So.
1: I, I like it. I, I like that we're doing lots of different worlds. I like that we're doing lots of different settings. Um, I think there are fan settings and then there are or more agnostic settings. This one feels like a book that's good for somebody to pick up, even if they've never played anything. Yeah. They could, maybe they've heard of some mythology and they could create a campaign mm-hmm. not too bad. Whereas I think you made the very perfect point. The Critical Role Wildbound is great, but if you've come from that from zero, like you'd never watched Critical Role, you were whatever the reason maybe you're just brand new and you're just getting into it now and you're just hearing about it. There's a lot you have to try to figure out if you're going to run a campaign in that world if you're starting from ground zero. Mm-hmm. Eros, it doesn't seem like they're, starting at ground zero is going to be too hard for you. ravdica starting at ground zero, maybe tough for you to do. Acquisitions Inc, maybe not so tough you know, of a book to say start from ground zero. It's just about all right, we're running a tavern or we're, we're, we're just doing regular mm-hmm. adventures and it's funny and it's it's got lots of jokes to it. You know, if you're a Rick and Morty, if you do the Rick and Morty stuff, well, maybe you need to be a fan of that to really get the inside stuff. Yeah. And then it makes sense. But if you're starting from ground zero, you don't get as much out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that they're doing this. I hope we have a good mix of always never having too many of one or the other, not too many fan worlds mm-hmm. and not too many just regular worlds that we're just picking up. Um, I like a mix of all of them so we all kind of get a little bit of what we want which is nice so i'm I'm excited i would run a theros campaign okay i would run a ravnica campaign i still don't think i would run a wild mount campaign i don't think i'd run an eberron campaign because i think i another thing i've realized about eberron is i feel like i would need to know a lot more Yes, before I ran the yeah. Eberron, campaign,
0: and I like Eberron so much, but it's because of the same reason I kind of like Forgotten Realms. Like I dove in and I really started reading yeah. it, and when you do, you're just like, "This is awesome and complex,"
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and but no, it, there's a lot going on, and yeah. that's one of the reasons that it kind of makes it shine. But D and D five e overall, you know, it's simplified to mm-hmm. allow people to just run it and play, and. Yep. I think the campaign settings kind of, they don't need to, but a simplified campaign setting like this really, Mm -hmm. really helps you out. So because I can say like, hey, uh, we've got like I said it earlier, like you've got the God of death, the God of the sun, the God of water, um, the Mm -hmm. God of building things. And you're just like, "Okay, yeah, like I want to be like a, a blacksmith like guy that does this. And they're just like, you can do that and and these gods represent ideas that we are already familiar with whereas yeah. uh even ravnica the the separate guilds did not represent certain things like they represented yeah. magic the gathering colors but right. not necessarily something anything that i think we familiar knew with. Yeah. anything
1: that we connected to yeah,
0: now, yeah. and uh Wildmount, although he pulled a lot from uh public domain dnd stuff so you have tiamat in there and things like that uh it's still just like i'm not really sure the betrayer gods are betrayers because of something and and you know they don't it doesn't super connect but, there's two yeah. big
1: factions that are warring so i gotta yeah. understand that there's there's a set map so i gotta understand that where i'm gonna set it and all of that is what i guess i'm pointing at is you don't actually have to let all that bog you down yeah the really good advice is that you can play in any world you want. You can change anything you want. And in reality, if you just set yourself to it, you can start a campaign in anything you want, but there's that pressure that I think a lot of DMS will go through in the beginning to say, wait a minute, if I'm going to do this justice, if I'm going to do a wild game game justice. I got to kind of follow the way critical role kind of did it. If that's the whole point of it, mm-hmm. right. It, and the people that want to play in that want to have, have that feeling of that stuff. So you're putting that own pressure on yourself even though people will say, you don't have to do that. You can do what you want. You can change what you, Matt Mercer himself mm-hmm. will say, no, change whatever you want. If you don't want that thing to happen, don't do it a different way. But knowing that we still put that pressure on ourselves to do it a certain way, right? And this one just doesn't have pressure. Theros is just, just like, just it's wide open. Just Do mm-hmm. whatever you want, because it's just classical mythology. And we've heard that since we were children, so. Do you, do you
0: what do you think the next Math- Magic the Gathering campaign setting will be for d oh.
1: So I was just looking Not at the one that's here. already created.
0: Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Not doing
1: a redo of something that's already existed or?
0: Um, No, I think there are all these different planes in Magic the Gathering. What's the next Magic the Gathering campaign setting? And so I was just looking and I remember uh, Chris Perkins said something about if you like uh, Strahd and uh, Ravenloft, you're going to be really excited about what we have coming And Mm -hmm. then I was looking at like the top 10 Magic the Gathering planes and Innistrad is like a vampire werewolf zombie world. I could see that. And I could see them for sure expanding Ravenloft ideas with a a campaign like Innistrad. And then even going down here and there's, uh, and I don't know these very well, but like Lorwyn um, is a fairy plane of giants and bugger and things like that. And I'm like, you could let's do this. And then anybody could use that for the Feywild. So mm-hmm. like you could run a Feywild game using this magic, the gathering setting. So I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I wonder they're, they're going to keep doing this because it's just the, the art's <clears throat> there. They can use it and repurpose yep. it. And yeah.
1: I think it'll be a one a year tie in. So I think it'll be whatever they're going to be releasing next year. So if we keep an eye on what magic, the gatherings announcing as far as card set releases in Q1, Q2, I bet we could get a good idea of what's going to be a tie-in campaign for Dungeons and Dragons yeah. for sure. Okay. And I'm good with that because I love the artwork. I love the yeah. games. Um, it's a very thought-provoking world that they're they're creating. So I think it's cool.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I, I think Innistrad might be. Anyway. Well, who knows? Uh, we talked a lot about Theros, obviously. It's the new book. Mm-hmm. Um, other news is D&D Live is two weeks out. That's going to be the online one. Yep, not next um, week and
1: the weekend after.
0: So, uh, and uh, DCC Days is next week, I think, uh, if you're interested in Crawl Classics, because I am, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're also streaming a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, yeah, Lex is playing in a couple games. He asked me to play in some, but I, again, have lots of stuff going on and was not able to, uh, yeah, the times just didn't work out. But um, And then this kind of shifts into our bardic inspiration, uh where we talk about things that inspired us throughout the week. And if you follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter, you probably know what I'm gonna talk about, but I'll let Lucian go first. Uh what's going on in Bardic Inspiration? What inspired you? What's what uh what what do you what kind of game do you want mine, to
1: play? Mine felt literal today. Mine felt like um this week I had a lot of the same ideas I'd been having. So when I was sitting and thinking about Bardic Inspiration, Bardic kept coming up in my mind. And I kept thinking, I know we've talked about it, but this idea of a single class campaign of all bards, and I've seen some people do this online. There's been, you can watch some um, different groups, of, mm-hmm. you know, the sirens with um, um, Satine. They did like an all bard group at one point that was really funny. And I know some other people have done that. And I, so I was thinking about a campaign that's, that has maybe something like that, or at least it is all based around a traveling band maybe a, a traveling act that is moving from town to town to town. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, that would make a great acquisition incorporated franchise that they're creating this traveling show and act Inc. has you doing it. And they're giving you missions that are having you do things in these towns. So this is how, you know, mm-hmm. where you're going next. Cause HQ needs something info you to steal something you to look into something you to Mm -hmm. stop something whatever it is and you're using the cover of you being a band or you being a show of some sort that moves around in this area so then you get the fun humor and comedy of running you know what it's like to be you know who's going to be the the um the roadies who's going to be the performers how do you get all your equipment around mm-hmm. what are the things you're doing to set this show up um what is the fun that can happen and then keep it very humorous very act ink style so not you know act ink's about running a corporate like so you could do a very you know this is the office in forgotten mm-hmm. realms but you could also do you know this is this is um uh wayne's world in forgotten realms you know they're a band that's moving around in their their pinto pacer and you know just all the <laughs> shenanigans that they get up to so i just thought that would be really fun to come up with a campaign that's based around that if you had a group that was really into thinking about maybe an all-barred group or even just a, a performer group of some sort we're all performers maybe they're like a they're a horse performance group or you know jumping things and riding in barrels and circles you and take stuff, like mounted
0: like, combatant or something and right yeah, right, right. just it, do something that's that cool way.
1: yeah Um, maybe not so much into circus but but performer arts. a magic show magic (laughs) shows how would you do it yeah you're you're making the bell tower disappear yeah or or maybe you're doing um some type of this is the new magic in the world this is magic of Dr. Fourteen Ninety Three. Here's the new stuff, and it's all fake and prop made. And it's like, mm-hmm. and they're all like, but they all come out to see almost like a, a world's fair kind of thing, right? Yeah. You're coming out to see the new stuff. So I just thought that would be fun, fun campaign, a fun way to as a dungeon master to come up. You've got lots of ideas. You still have nefarious things happening in the underground. There's a there's a cover, <clears throat> plenty of room for humor and fun um in the whole thing. I just thought that'd be a, a fun way to run a campaign. So.
0: Yeah, that's cool. No, it'd be a so lot of touring band
1: in the acquisitions incorporated
0: world and creating, creating more. I, I, it'd be fun to, I mean, acquisitions was good, uh, but mm-hmm. expanding on that and creating more, uh, office, um, positions and, and yeah. what they do and stuff. So,
1: yep. Yeah, yeah. The the person that's taking care of the equipment, the the, the transportation mm-hmm. person, you know, like all these things. They there you could go and look at a show that travels, a true show that has a real thing going on. There's so much stuff going on to make all that happen. And now you can throw that into a, a cool, fun, forgotten realms world. I bet it would be really fun too for um, theater mm-hmm. people, people who actually do theater. And travel maybe when they do that show, they're going to do Oklahoma or whatever, and they're going to travel to several cities. They're going to do their thing. We'll throw that as a campaign inside of Forgotten Realms. You've come up with a play. You're going to travel to these five major cities. You're going to set up your play. You have your production people. You have your actors. You have your director. You have all this stuff on it. And you have the shenanigans and the humor, the Baron Munchausen kind of show of all the stuff that's going on yeah. and the shenanigans. So I think that'd be really fun. That's crazy. So what about Jordan's bardic inspiration? Um,
0: Well, man, I've just been thinking about, uh, <laughs> thinking about, well, I've been watching a lot of old movies lately. Um, mm-hmm. I watched uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, and we talked about this on the show, I think, where I was like, that kind of was an inspiration. Like, what if you do that? Uh, mm-hmm. I just got Metropolis. I'm going to watch the like, Blu-ray of Metropolis or the Blu-ray version of it. It's streaming. Um, mm-hmm. But like the high-res new new quality version where they took the original prints and, and stuff. Um, and last night I was like, I'm going to watch Jason and the Argonauts. Theros just came out in 1963. I'm going to watch Jason and the Argonauts. And that <laughs> was a monumental movie because of the stop-motion animation. And, and there's like skeletons that rise up out of the ground and they're fighting skeletons with the swords. And I, you know, that just, you you didn't see that back in the day. Like it was kind of, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so really cool movie. Uh, and it, it is a D and D campaign, like he's born there's a prophecy the gods are just like we're gonna help you out the other god you know zeus is like i don't think i want to help him and Hera's like i'm gonna help him and so they're Mm -hmm. arguing about will he do will he be able to to succeed or not and then he has to go on a quest to find the golden fleece the golden Mm -hmm. fleece will allow him to become the king that he rightfully is he assembles a crew of people and they go out, and they have adventures, and they have to fight harpies, and they have to do this, and uh, there's a hydra. And anyway, it's it was just really cool. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I don't have a specific, but I was like, at the end of watching that, I'm like, I want to play a like Greek mythology game so bad. Like, I think that would be so much fun to write and run where it's like, you got to go sail. Nobody's been that far. Nobody knows what's across the ocean, but rumor is, you know, there's a cup that if you drink it, you'll ascend a godhood or something like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and so the idea of, I guess my bardic inspiration overall is some of those old tropes are still good. And, and it, it's yeah. not a bad thing. Like if you have the right group, and I would say most groups, you give them a clear goal of like, yeah, uh, you had a dream, you know, uh, Zeus came down and he said, I need you to find this magic cup. Uh, and you guys all wake up, you get together. You're like, did you have the dream? You have the dream. All right, we got to go assemble a crew. Uh, and then you go have sea voyages, tell there's some big thing and you find this cup. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a twist and Zeus was lying to you the whole time or it was Hades or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, but it was, it was just really cool. And they got little tidbits from the gods. Like, I think you should go here to talk to this Oracle and they have to help the Oracle with harpies. And then he was able to tell them to go this way and stuff. So, uh, it was awesome. And I'm going to follow it up with clash of the Titans tonight. I'm really excited. Um, more stop motion animation with, uh, I think the Medusas and that and the Kraken. So mm-hmm. it's going to be great.
1: And there's different versions you can watch too. There's a lot of movies that have come out that are based off of some of those old movies, almost like redos and. Yeah. Well, you can the, the original. You know, the Iliad and, and yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a Wikipedia article that's like, I just searched like Greek mythology movies, and mm-hmm. there were a lot in the 30s. In yeah. Germany and uh, all over Europe, the, back when mm-hmm. more people made movies than just the United States, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, it'd be kind of interesting to watch some of those older movies. So
1: yeah, it's almost like classical mythology inspiring the basis of original D and D, the yeah. classical D and D game. And D and D was it mythology yeah, inspired very, D&D very, very, very mythology much so. Heavy, yeah, all yeah. those old monsters
0: cool. are just myth- mythological monsters from Norse and Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah. So that's my bard inspiration. I I think, uh, I think a lot of people could have a lot of fun with that because in the end of the day, if you have a clear objective, it doesn't always have to be this super drawn out, whatever, uh, you know, like, oh, there's like layers here that you don't even know about. And you know what the players might never know about because you've overthunk the campaign. (laughs) They, they just want to go get a cup, do it. So, yeah. so that was uh, that was my bird expiration. Um, yeah, we got cool. 10 minutes left. Uh, what games are you playing, Lucian? What's going on?
1: Well, we're still doing our Waterdeep Acquisitions Inc. I'll keep it short. Um, we definitely had two of those things that I think Dungeon Masters should put some thought into. I won't take a bunch of time. I don't have the answers to, do, to all of this. Some of you can put them probably in the comments if you found stuff that have helped you with these things. But chase scenes and then interrogation scenes to make them more fun and not tedious and not kind of like everybody just wants it over, including the dungeon master, including the players, like nobody's deriving any real fun out of these things. But normally these are the big action packed parts Mm -hmm. of any movie or any book you're reading. This is where the meat is. And yet in the dungeons and dragons game, it feels like, This is a letdown part of our game. Mm -hmm. Like combat can be thrilling. Um, Searching for clues and searching can be thrilling. Um, Some dialogue scenes, especially if it has to do with character backstory and and learning information can be thrilling. Mm -hmm. But interrogating somebody never seems to be a high point of your game. Mm. A chase scene through the town doesn't always seem to be a a high point of the game maybe you you know so i have seen some mechanics out there we got into a chase scene with this and it was this weird thing about can you see them or can you not um what's the vision are they able to lose you or are you able to keep up and i don't know it felt weak it felt very like there wasn't enough there and i wish we had some maybe more concrete ways for this and especially the cringy we've captured the bad guy tell us what we want to know bad guy. No, I'm not telling you anything bad guy. We can't move on any further. You don't know what to do. <laughs> Tell us what you, no, uh, I'm not telling you. anything, Mr. A bad guy. We yeah. need some information. <laughs> so, you know, I, all I can say is I, I encourage dungeon masters to really take a look at those parts of your games, see if there's some tools out there and share them with me and Jordan. Cause I definitely could use some inspiration in that. And maybe there's some better ways to do this that, that, Dungeons and Dragons 5e has not given us help in this area, or very, not very much help. In this
0: yeah, area. interrogations I'm not so sure about, but uh, chase scenes there are rules in the Dungeon Master's Guide mm-hmm. about how to do chase scenes. But I think both of them would benefit from having um, its own mini game. And yeah. I'm going to use downtime downtime as an example. Like downtime doesn't follow the same rules as combat or a lot of other things. It's like you've got three months. What do you want to do? And Xanathar's came out and gave us a bunch of downtime rules and it's been really fun to be like, oh, I've got three months to do stuff. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. And we just kind of roll dice and then the three months happens. Uh, Chase scenes, I feel, are the same way. Specifically, uh, I have a, a Pathfinder chase scenes deck of cards and you shuffle oh, there it you go. and then uh as they're running depending on their successes or not you start flipping cards to see what's happening mm-hmm. and it's like oh a fruit stand gets in your way what do you do mm-hmm. well, i gotta make an acrobatics check to jump over it and so things can slow you down or speed you up and it's mm-hmm. all random and it's just kind of fun but yeah. if you use that too much the players know what's in the deck and it doesn't work as well but like the first first three or four times it's gonna be really good um but yeah maybe interrogation is like uh, you know, you've got five points and you have to subtract so many points from him before he'll talk. How are you doing that? Whether it's intimidation checks or whether it's, you know, this, or I'm going to steal, I don't know, his favorite dagger and th- threaten to drop it in lava. I don't know. Uh, and so there's, there's ways that you, you have to do something to like lower those points and those points represent him finally breaking or trusting you, you know, and then he'll, he, the bad guy will tell you the things.
1: Uh, yeah yeah
0: no it's interesting uh rod of seven parts is going really good it's a lot of fun they fought a rishaka and they assembled two great. rod fragments into one great monster uh great monster i did not know that that monster was immune to spells level five and below so <laughs> we're we're reading this and i'm and it's a classic of jordan just being like yeah rakshas are cool whatever and then i read the stat while we were fighting him and i'm like oh uh oh. so uh shifter our wizard sh- shot a lightning bolt at him and i'm like that doesn't affect him so i had him like smack the lightning bolt out of the way and our wizard was like can he do that and then we had to talk then mm-hmm. yeah he can um but uh man having lots of fun with that game those people are really awesome really enjoying it
1: uh good players make a good game
0: yeah my uh dark like dark gritty bloodborne game that i am playing in uh mm-hmm. we found a star fragment that we were like hired to grab and bring back to town. But the guy who wanted us to get it was kind of shady, shady, sorry. And there were some flumps that came down, uh, which are a weird D and D monster that kind of looked like a, I don't know, alien hot air balloon thing, spaghetti, Jelly, jellyfish yeah.
1: floaty. Yeah. Something and like that. they
0: wanted the star and we decided to give it to them because they seemed like the, the good choice to give it to them. Well, uh, when we got back to town and we didn't have this, people started asking questions and then we were getting arrested and uh this is something I wanted to talk about uh specifically is uh the DM said later on that he's like I didn't plan for you guys to succeed and get away so he was like you guys are getting arrested and expecting us to kind of just like okay we're getting arrested we're outnumbered but all of us were like we're gonna fight to the death
1: because I've got a fireball we're in a
0: weird, we're in a weird place and I don't know what yeah. they're going to do to me. Um, so we, we did, we just started fighting and uh, with some of our magic items and we're also level six at the time, like we were able to kind of do some, some cool stuff. Uh, ultimately they got us and we all, we all got put away. But the DM said afterwards that he's like, yeah, if you guys had broken free and gotten out of that house, I probably would have just had more, soldiers rush in to get you um which is fine but i also feel like you shouldn't tell your players that because then i was immediately let down i'm like oh there really wasn't a chance for succeeding and players whether that chance is there or not they want to think that there is they want to think like if i can get out of that door oh no there's like two dozen more guards okay I lost, but at least I succeeded getting out the door, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was kind of fun. So do you, do you write in contingencies or do you just play? And it's like, well, I'll write the next section if they do escape. Or do you kind of plot out like, no, they need to get captured right now. I
1: don't know. I used to do that. And then I learned my lesson that players (laughs) will always do something you don't want them to do. So early on, I was doing that same thing. I was like, okay, here's this scene. Um, they're going to be mistaken for the bad guys, so I want the cops to come in and arrest them. And then there's going to be this cool thing because they're going to they're going to get interrogated, and the cops will slowly begin to realize they're not really the bad guys. What I didn't then realize, you think, just like you like,
0: said, that's a cool scene. That's like, cool. I'm yeah, going to yeah. do that cool scene, but they're that's not. Learn
1: stuff. That's yeah,
0: relying yeah. on the players doing something that you're like, well, they'll play like this, and you can never no, do that. Yeah,
1: they always fight. If there is a way to drop a bomb, they will drop a bomb. <laughs> Um, it doesn't matter. Every solution is throw a fireball at it. So at that point, I started. I stopped doing that. And I, I started trying to think about what do you do when you have superheroes in the middle of regular people and the regular people want to arrest the superheroes? Yeah. Either they go willingly or they don't. Yeah. And, and it gets bad, you know. And so I stopped kind of doing that and I tried to stop doing jail scenes. The only time my players get thrown in jail is if all of them gotten dropped unconscious um, the one thing I have done is where I've had lots of guards use a lot of non-lethal because they want to capture them. They're yeah, not yeah. necessarily wanting to kill them. So then they try it. And if I, if that battle works and I can subdue them, it's happened that one time in the black pyramid where the guards were able to subdue them and keep them alive. Oh, George, hey, you're saying what time it is. So I'll let Jordan take us from here.
0: Yeah. Um, so it was kind of interesting. And, and not only, uh, I think a lot of DMs do this, not just new DMs, but experienced DMs. Cause I remember watching the first episode of Matt Colville's, the chain, and he threw a monster that was so hard that it killed the character. And he did that on purpose, but he was just kind of like, well, I want the game to go like this. And his players were a little frustrated where they're like, well, I understand that you're, you're writing a narrative, but this isn't a book, Matt. Like maybe we should have had a chance or What if they did think of something really creative, but Matt's like, well, he's immune to that, you know, and that's not what happened. But like you could see somebody doing that. So it's it's kind of interesting overall having a lot of fun with that campaign. And now we're in a Silent Hill like hospital type thing and uh, they've all played Silent Hill. And so everyone's like really enjoying the spooky ambiance of it. Um, And it's been it's been fun. So. Uh, I'm excited to continue that one on Thursday. Uh, and then I, I'll skip over my wild mount game. Uh, but it's doing lots of cool stuff cause we're out of time. Uh, but yeah, that, that ladies and gentlemen is our show. Let us know in the comments below, uh, if you are picking up Theros, uh, if you, uh, have a cool bardic inspiration, um, if you are going to now play Tritons because they can see in the dark. Lots of cool stuff. Um, Man, I do like that Theros book. I might have to get the hard book now, now that I'm thinking about it. Because D&D Beyond going to shut down one day, and I'm not going to have access to it. I'm going to have to get that physical book on my shelf and play a cool Greek campaign. Uh, thank you guys so much. We will see you next week with another rockin' show, probably talking about TCC days or something cool maybe i'll shave i don't know there's a lot of things that could happen uh all right (laughs) we'll see you guys next week with another episode of the saturday morning DD show goodbye everybody our intro and outro music is 8-bit march by twin musicom licensed under creative commons check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org